Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Suecki. And I'm PJ Doran. This week we have, from Moto America, Sean Bice and Paul Carruthers. Moto America, the home of the AMA Superbike Championship featuring 190 mile an hour superbikes, is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Moto America, the official AMA road racing series for North America at MotoAmerica.com. Tickets, info, and complete 2021 schedule available at MotoAmerica.com forward slash tickets. Don't miss a minute of action, practice, qualifying, races, and video on demand with Moto America Live Plus streaming. Follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, when was the first production slick motorcycle tire produced? We'll be back with that answer after we talk to Sean Bice and Paul Carruthers. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Welcome to Pit Pass today. Off track with Carruthers and Bice creators, uh, Mr. Carruthers, Mr. Bice. Welcome to our show. How are you doing today? Very good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having us on here. Uh, I noticed Chris Parrish was just on, so it's always good to follow up Chris Parrish. Uh, he's he's quite a character. So Absolutely, and I think you guys had him right before we did. It, <laughs> yeah, we did. It's it, funny how that works. Um, <laughs> so let's get right into it and talk about our Moto America season and, and racing in general. It's been incredible. Uh, what have been any season surprises that you guys have seen this year? Anything that, that was a little bit unexpected? Well, I can start by saying that, um, you know, I'll completely go on record and say that I was surprised uh, by the amount of winning that Jake Gagne's done. Yes. I knew he would be, uh, I knew he would have a good season. He's on a very good team and a very good motorcycle. But I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that anybody would have predicted this to happen. Uh, I fully thought that, uh, you know, we'd have five or six guys winning races. And I thought it would come down to the, to the rider who made the, the fewest mistakes that would end up being champion. And, and Jake has flipped that around completely and just dominated. 
Um, as much as, you know, as much as, as we'd like to mix it up a little bit with the, with different winners, it's a pleasure to watch him ride this year. And it's a pleasure to see what he's, what he's doing because he's, you know, he's, he's riding the motorcycle, like he's never ridden a motorcycle before. And you can tell he's confident and comfortable and that equates to him being very fast. And that's, that's why he's dominated. So I think that stands out for me this year is just what a surprise it was. Not that he was winning races, but that he's been able to win you know, basically all the races. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because at the first race of the season, of course, Matthew Skoltz won that race. And we thought, because we kept talking about it's it's the level, most level playing field that we've ever had. Uh, you know, it's going to be an amazing year with without uh, the overlord and Cameron Bobier being there. But, you know, when I was thinking about being on, the, when we were talking about being on this podcast and I was thinking about what I was going to talk about, one of the things I realized is last year we kind of were always saying, well, if not for Cameron Bobier, and, you know, this year it's a little bit, if not for Jake Gagne. And I know last year, Matthew and some of the other guys kind of felt like they were almost winning their own race because Cameron was, Cameron was so far ahead. And, you know, Jake's kind of doing it this year. But then I got to thinking, and, you know, what if Cameron was still in our series? I wonder if Jake would, how that would go, if it would be those guys battling back and forth. It's just, I mean, Jake was on that team last year, didn't have obviously anywhere near the season that he is this year. So it's just funny how it happens. You know, it's just crazy. Without doubt, uh, Jake has shown a level of dominance that I couldn't agree more. Um, He's obviously an incredible racer, but he's, he picked something up in the off season and in some fashion or found something in his bike that really clicked for him. Cause it's, it's been amazing the level of dominance he's put on and there's a lot of good guys keeping him honest though. Yeah. And I think if you look at, I think this shows how important your crew is and, and really more importantly, even than that is your crew chief. His crew chief this year is John Cornwell, who has extensive background in, in all things technical with motorcycles. In addition to being a very good motorcycle racer himself, he won dirt tracks, he won road race championships in Canada. He raced 250s here. He's raced, you know, he's raced everything and he's raced it well. And if you watch those two work, you know, on hot pit during a practice or qualifying session, you can see how well they work together. Uh, the advice that he gives Jake, the the amount of listening that Jake does, you can tell there's a lot of respect between the two. And I think that's probably made it probably is the biggest difference from in his in his season from last year to this year is just the confidence and and the ability that, that John has brought to the team and, and really made a difference for 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 Jake. And you can just see it in the way he rides the motorcycle. Yeah, and it's funny too because Paul and I have known John Cornwell forever and know him as a as as Paul alluded to, you know, a two-stroke rider from the back in the day, two fifty uh, bikes and stuff. And it's funny he has uh, on his calf he's got a maple leaf in it, it a tattoo, and it and it also kind of has the year that he won the, a championship. I think it was in Canada, but you know we've known him as a rider, and he's always been a fairly quiet guy, and. You know, he was he was a suspension guy on Westby Racing and he didn't say a whole lot, but I, I would sometimes see him walk up to Matthew and hold him, almost hold him by his ears with his helmet on and kind of get that right down in the face mask and he was talking to him. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. A suspension guy is kind of getting in the head of Matthew Skoltz and lo and behold, you know, here he is a crew chief this year and he carries himself a little bit different too. Um, 
he's a little more talkative. He certainly speaks about a lot more things than just, just suspension now. And it's one of those cool things where he's always had it in him and has always been a well-rounded guy because of being a rider and a tuner anyway. Um, but, you know, it's a great chance for him to do what he's doing and to step up. He's a rookie crew chief and he's, you know, leading the championship with a pretty uh, amazing win streak going on right now and has a chance to break a record, a record for the most uh, wins ever in Superbike in any season in Superbike. So it's pretty cool for for also Jake and, and Jonathan Cornwall. So in Superbike, guys, that's the positive side. I guess the flip side would be who who did you expect coming into the season was going to maybe be a little stronger, I, maybe struggling a little bit this year to get things to gel? What uh, What team do you see that happening with? Well, I think, you know, I think Cameron Peterson has done really well on the M4 X-Star Suzuki team. But then I think Bobby Fong's had a, a year that, I mean, even he would admit hasn't been so good. I don't know what the real reasons are for that. I mean, the guy can obviously still ride a motorcycle. And, and when things are, are, are together well for him, he finishes the back on the podium. But he's had some bad luck. And it just, it just seems like one of those down off years for Bobby. Uh, and I don't think it's deserved. He works really hard. And, and we saw last year that he's perfectly capable of, of winning races from the front and withstanding pressure from actually last year, it was Jake Gagne mostly giving him pressure from behind. So it was, uh, that, that to me is a bit of a shock. Uh, it's also been good for the team with Cameron Peterson coming in and doing so well. So at least that balances it, balances it out a little bit for those guys. So they're not just down in the dumps, but, uh, yeah, I expected a bit more from Bobby. Yeah, and for me, I think, you know, it, it, it's it's Loris Baz that surprises me a little bit. I mean, I, I drank the Kool-Aid along with everybody else during the offseason in terms of, you know, everybody saying, oh, he's going to dominate our series. And, I mean, he's a world-class rider, and, he, and he's riding like a world-class rider. The guy's unbelievable. He's an absolute animal out on the track, and, you know, he understands road racing so well, and he knows how to do it. He, you know, he's got incredible race craft, and he's certainly a fierce competitor, um, and they just, those guys have had some bad luck here and there along the way. And it's, some of it's been, you know, by his own making with regard to crashing and stuff, but other times it's not. And it's just, it's a tough situation because, you know, he's in the hunt all the time, but I thought, I thought if anybody was going to go on a streak this year, it might be, be Loris because of what that team did with Lorenzo Zanetti last year at the end of our end of the year, when they came on so strong with Ducati Corsa involved and Araldo Ferracci involved. And, you know, they won, they won last year. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a little bit surprising. I would have thought if somebody would have told me at this point in the season, he had, hadn't have won a race yet. I, I would have been pretty shocked. Um, and you know, it's not, it's not any kind of a detriment to that team. It's just kind of the way, way the things, the chips have fallen and the way things have gone together, but he's still, you know, very much involved in the hunt and it's very possible that he, he may win. You know, we've got six races, we've got three coming up at New Jersey and another three at Barber Motorsports Park to close out our season. And it's very possible that he, you know, could go on a tear or at least win some of those races, except, you know, obviously Jake is very stout this year. So that, that was a surprise for me, I think. How about the development of guys like Rocco Landers and Sean Dillon Kelly? I mean, they've they've pretty much been on track. Would you agree as far as where we expected them to go as they move through the series as far as classes? Yeah, there's not much a surprise, not not much of a surprise there for me. Um, I fully expected the Supersport Championship to be fought out between Richie Escalante and Sean Dillon Kelly, and I'm not sure I would have said that it would have gone Sean Dillon's way. 
because I thought Richie kind of had the upper hand last year. But you can see that that's kind of flipped a little bit. But their racing is, I mean, those guys are so close. You, I mean, you could take either one of them and do whatever you wanted with them, and they'd perform well. They're, they're at a really high level. Um, Rocco, at least initially, I was a little bit, not disappointed, but I expected more. And I was probably expecting too much when you think about, you know, that he's just a young kid and, and he, it's a pretty big jump from the classes he was racing in Junior Cup and Twins Cup to, uh, to jump up to Supersport and, and race with the guys that are in that class. But of late, he's, you know, he's, you almost expect him now to be that third guy on the podium or at least close to it and in that battle for third. So I think now he's probably at about the level I expected him to be. Um, he's obviously not, he, he's not going to be able to just jump up to Sean Dillon Kelly and Richie Escalante's level right away. But I think he's done a good job of kind of chipping away at it. He's had some crashes, but he's, he's, you can tell he just keeps chipping away and he's not, it's not big chunks, but it's little chunks, but it's got him to the point where he's, you know, consistently on the podium. Yeah, it's funny about about Rocco. You know, I think we got used to the fact that I mean, he was winning everything and winning championships. I mean, he won Junior Cup, then he then he did it a second year at the same time as winning tw- uh, Twins Cup uh, championships. So he's got three championships under his belt, and he moves into Supersport, and he's doing exactly what we want our young riders to do, which is to climb that ladder through our series. And I think Twins Cup was a good intermediary for him to move into Supersport, but. And he's doing great. I mean, he's like Paul said, he's really come on lately. He's really starting to acclimate to it. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things with with Richie and Sean Dillon Kelly. I mean, they're sort of on another plane. And Richie, I thought he was going to repeat this year. And that's not taking anything away from Sean Dillon Kelly at all. It's just, you know, Richie had such an amazing season last year. But it goes to show you that number one is a heavy, heavy number and a heavy number plate to wear on your bike. And, you know, they did do some balancing with the bike this year, but I think more of it, it's, you know, Sean's just advanced more. He's still extremely young. He's a lot younger than, than Richie is. And, you know, he just has stepped up so much and Richie kind of started off on the back, on his back foot. He had broken his collarbone in a training accident on a bicycle with, uh, his, uh, with um, Umberto Baca, who is his team guy. And, you know, so he was right there to see it happen. And he kind of had that issue in the beginning. And I think he sort of passed it off as not that being that big a deal. And he's way past that now. But recently he also broke, a, I think, a bone in his ankle or in his foot, right, Paul? I mean, it's something. Yeah, in his foot. Yeah. So he had another bit of adversity that he's dealing with. And and he's still right there. And he, a lot of that stuff doesn't really affect him too much on the bike but Sean just is so dominant and he's, you know, he's got the bit in his teeth, so to speak, you know, he really, he really knows now he can get it done. And, and, um, you know, Richie's, Richie's probably it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's, it's insurmountable almost at this point. And, you know, both those guys are awesome to see out on the track because they fight, you know, tooth and nail and they took each other out at, at one round, which, um, you know, made gave a win to shouldn't say gave a win to Stefano Mesa, but Stefano Mesa was there to win that race when those guys both went down. But other than that, it's been one or the other at the front. And, you know, the other guys that are moving up, Rocco Landers, uh, Benjamin Smith, you know, some of those guys, Stefano, obviously, some of those guys have are there, but they're not quite on that level of those two guys. But it's it's like last year. It's fantastic to watch those guys race against each other. Uh, guys, I think Moto America's done a really good job of kind of drawing in some new blood, some new interest with the new uh, interesting classes that they've added. 
over the last couple seasons. You know, the Mini Cup obviously developed new riders, but the King of the Baggers, the Super Hooligan, the Build Train Race Program. Talk about those series and, you know, what they mean to Moto America in the future. Well, I, maybe I can address the uh, the baggers and, and let Sean do some of the other ones. But, you know, the baggers, the king of the baggers has just been huge for us. Obviously, the thing started last year at Laguna Seca with an invitational, and we saw the popularity of it then. And, you know, I was I was kind of cynical about the whole thing as, <laughs> as far as, you know, I'm I'm kind of a purist when it comes to road racing. It's it's all I've really ever known. And and it just was like I, I just couldn't picture it, and I couldn't picture it in any way that was – pretty so to speak um so when those bikes fired off at laguna seca last year and i watched them come over that turn one hill and into turn two and and they were backing it in and you know it seemed like just a couple of laps uh with the guys that had done some testing um i was i was blown away i was like wow this is really cool to watch i mean it was cool to watch with just one bike uh which generally isn't the case but when you can see those that big of a bike go as fast as it as it goes with those bags and it's it's hard not to be impressed with uh with the skill involved to make that happen it's also impressive that those motorcycles are capable of that so you know we went into this year with with adding some races obviously and and they turned out to be great and and harley davidson picked it up so that they were competitive and ended up winning the championship with kyle wyman and it was it's just a really good thing for our paddock i mean there's there's new semis there there's new blood in the paddock different riders you know some older established stars uh, so it's been i mean it, it's it's far and above exceeded my expectations for what it could possibly be and i think it's just it's done a great job of bringing new fans to the track and i think when you get new fans to the track for something like king of the baggers they're obviously going to watch your superbike races and your supersport races and I think what happens is they go home, you know, they come as bagger fans and they go home as Moto America fans. And really that's, uh, that's all you can hope for. Yeah. And it's funny. I think, you know, Paul and I both kind of looked at, at, at it a little bit with a jaundiced eye, but I think we both said, well, the president of Moto America, three-time world champion, uh, Wayne Rainey is really into this baggers thing. So I suppose we ought to get behind it too. And, you know, like Paul said, when we saw him out on the track and, you know, to see the bikes close up and see what they do to, with them to, you know, get them up off the ground a little bit more and, and how they can actually drag a knee on a bagger is amazing. And you can see that those riders are having so much fun on them. I mean, Kyle Wyman is over the moon now that he's the, he's a factory Harley Davidson rider. He's, he's wanted that his entire life. And his brother, Travis is part of that too. And, you know, the motor company, as they call them, has definitely stepped up and embraced that. And, and Indian has too with, with Roland Sands as well. And um, it's just the manufacturers have really gotten behind it. And we, when we do social media posts on that series, it, it just blows up. It goes crazy. So, you know, we're happy. And I, I used to say this uh, about the OEMs, you know, I'm particular, uh, particularly a fan of sport bikes, but when it, when these OEMs have cruiser bikes that I don't particularly ride, I hope they sell a billion of them because that enables them to have, you know, sport bikes and other things. And that's kind of with us. I mean, if I hope baggers brings a million fans to our series and Hey, while you're there, we've got, you know, all these other classes of racing. And you mentioned hooligans. That was a one-off that kind of came out of nowhere and was developed by Roland Sands at, um, at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. And that was, that was cool too. I mean, it was a great chance to see Chris Fillmore again, 
um, and Andy Debrino, who's up in the Pacific Northwest, a couple guys that are are involved with KTM. And we got to see some different motorcycles involved in that series as well. And we'll see if that, you know, what happens with that next year. But that's one of those multidisciplinary things where there's flat track involved as well. So they've got some other uh, types of races they're going to do later this year. But, you know, baggers, we hope it expands to a bigger um, footprint and more rounds next year. Um, I want to mention real quick, quick our Mini Cup by Motul series, which uh, has been tremendous the past couple of years. It's really fun to see these kids, you know, who start out at six year, six to 14, I believe, is the breakoff on that when they can, are eligible to move into Junior Cup. And we've had some Mini Cup riders move up to Junior Cup, including Kayla Yakoff and uh, Avery Dreyer and a couple of other riders. But it's so cool that we thought Junior Cup was cool seeing these young kids do their thing. But now to see some of these riders that are so much younger than that, and they absolutely have the race craft, the body position. They just look awesome riding around on those, those motorcycles. And it's almost like you, you took a road race and you put it into a, 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 a copier and you reduced it in size, like 50% or something <laughs> and everything, the bike, the rider, you know, the, the amount of track that's there, but it looks for all the world, like it, and you know, a totally full size uh, road racing track and the, the kids enjoy it. The parents are involved. And this is this where the stepping stone starts, you know, they, they go from there into the rest of our series. So we've got a lot of budding championship champions and riders moving into our series out of mini cup as well. So it's terrific. Yeah, it's been awesome. And you didn't touch on the one that I most recently got to enjoy at the first time in a long time facility Brainerd. I was up at that race, got to see the, uh, the BTR program come to fruition with uh, Melissa yes. Paris and, and all the racers. And it was amazing. The the energy those girls had uh, throughout the weekend, but especially after their race, uh, you know, on the podium, pretty much the paddock emptied to go to the BTR podium uh, celebration. And it was absolutely awesome. So big shout out to Moto America and Royal Enfield for giving Melissa Paris the reins to do what she clearly was built to do because it, it was just impressive top to bottom. Yeah, really glad you brought that up, because, PJ, because for sure that's a, an awesome series. And, you know, t- speaking of podcasts and the fact that we have had one, we had four of them on our a recent podcast with us, and it was a delight to talk to him because there are seven of seven riders. We spoke to four, and they're all very different, all kinds of walks of life, all kinds of backgrounds from engineers to photographers to a uh, woman that works in a nail salon. And, you know, they all their their commonality is their love of motorcycles. Some of it they've gotten into because of their family or their husbands, but they've gone from being pillions or passengers to being riders. And now they're racers and their their respective uh, partners are actually somewhat jealous of them getting all the stardom in road racing. So that's been really enjoyable to watch. And, you know, um, we've got more of that to come. So they'll, they'll be at uh, Barber uh, and, uh, you know, get to race again. And we're going to have the other three on our own podcast, but they're, they're terrific women. And um, yeah, hats off to Melissa and also to Brie Poland, who uh, works for Royal Enfield for putting this whole thing together. And, and it is a, it is a joy to watch these, these women race. Without doubt, this has been an incredible season of Moto America racing and lots of other racing too, but we're talking about Moto America and it's been incredible. I can't wait for these last couple rounds. Um, sadly, our time's coming to a close, guys. want to thank you so much for joining us on Pit Pass today. Um, it's, it's been wonderful and we look forward to talking to you some more and I hope I see you at the track. 
Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for thinking of us, BJ. It was fun as as always, and anytime you need uh, someone to talk to, uh, Sean and I are especially happy to do so. If we can get Sean to shut up a little bit, <laughs> no, Sean's great, and, and it's been fun. Thank you. Thank you. You bet, and thank you guys for being sponsors of ours. It means the world to us, and we hope we get to keep doing it with you. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, a great partnership. Sure thank yeah. you. This week's Pit Pass trivia question was, when was the first production slick motorcycle tire produced? The answer is, the first dedicated motorcycle drag bike slick was developed by the English Avon Company in 1960 with the help of George Brown. In upcoming motorcycle racing action, we have Moto America at New Jersey, September 10 through 12, and of course the MotoGP round Aragon, Spain will be September the 12th. In Outdoor MA Motocross, we've got the final round at Hangtown MX coming up September 11th. Thank you again to our guests for being with us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm PJ Doran. I'm Dave Selecki. We'll see you next week. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!